What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pitch Vision. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and we have a great show for you today. We have for our guest Karen Fong Donahue, and she is the runner of the Ruggers Edge. Some great college value, you guys. Stay tuned. This is gonna be dope. Pedal to the flow, maxing out the Honda. You ain't messing with my click like I'm Kanye. Take it to 100, then I swear. Ooh, look up in the sky. Oh my God, what's the word? Word? Then he told me read Romans 12 and 18. And now I'm trying to live in peace till it's rest in peace. OMG, death upon arrival. Y'all really couldn't see me like y'all fed it walk with his eyes closed in a blindfold. Pedal to the metal, then I swear. Everything got some club rugby, you got the world rugby, uh, the, the junior rugby world cup, you got uh, uh, I don't remember what the rest of it was, but it was some good rugby last weekend. And then you come up into the news now, apparently, it is news that this, this super rugby sevens is gonna have equal pay, man, equal pay for men and women. That is news. Do you know how sad that is that we have to make that news that, A, everybody is going to get the same amount from the sport that is still trying to find its way? Like, that should be like a give me. Like, that should be a give me. But you know what? I'm glad it at least it put it out there so they are responsible and accountable for such things. But it just it made me laugh. It made me laugh whenever I heard it. I was just like, dude, like, this is this is. This is what we're going to be doing as news now. That uh, people want to get pat on the back for doing what they're supposed to do. And I understand the concept of relativity when it comes to uh, revenue generation. But revenues haven't all been that great for rugby here in the States. So, I mean, eh, it's kind of hard to really use that as a, as a full factor. It's kind of been like uh, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul situation so i'm glad that uh at least they're putting it on though you know i still call this the uh the era of the bubble of professional rugby so you know we'll see how this goes uh but you know it should it should be something you know 48 minutes of rugby to make up sevens i guess it's something you know tweak it out a little bit evolve the sport a bit or something i'm i'm, I'm really not super uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to invest emotion or excitement into it until uh, I actually see see something happening on the field. You know, we. I, I want to see. You know why? And I've I've said it before. You know, I I'm a big believer in what's the culture outside of the play. Like the play is all well and good. I honestly think the play is the most minimum part of being a professional organization. So uh, I want to know what the logistics are. I want to know what what all the other stuff is what is where's your revenue sourcing what's your stadium sourcing who's running it how are you administrating it how much risk are you willing to take how much fear are you having what's your backing you know uh you know united world sports has done a good job in in you know hosting usa sevens 
and uh, the college rugby championships. But I mean, again, I, I this is your professional sports. They, you know, the concept for college rugby championships is that each team has has to bring in at least what is it like two or five hundred tickets themselves to be able to pay on top of them paying to go over there. Um, and so, I mean, it's it's not necessarily like a direct, you know, revenue source from from you know casual fans still a good marketing ploy but it makes it more invitational less uh what do you call it more invitational and less you know series and and selection which is fine you know and then usa sevens is is its own kind of beast and definitely one that they've built up and and created a uh, uh an experience around it so definitely can't hate on that either but when it comes to professional and you're actually paying the players and you actually have to give them real money, and you actually have to, you know, create a source that's it's something there. And then, of course, you have MLR and them doing those things. Shout out to New Orleans Gold for, I guess, becoming a thing. You know, got to give it to my, my cross-town people. Uh, well, I guess it's I-10 people because they're down the interstate. They're like an hour away from Baton Rouge. So, yeah, anyways. I mean, that's just my thoughts, you know? I, I, I do wonder what people think about it. Anyways, getting to what really matters, we got a great guest, uh, Karen Fong Donahue. Uh, if you guys don't know who she is, you guys are going to find out after this. Uh, great, great conversation, super patient, and uh, she, it, was, it was funny. We uh, got to meet up with her again, ran into her accidentally at uh, the Call of Sevens tournament a couple weeks back. Uh, she was refing from, but she had been one of my earliest interviews back in 2014 uh, when I started doing, you know, interviews with Gift Time Rugby and, and trying to open up a little bit more. And it was always funny because uh, the first time I did an interview with her, we had a great conversation. It was with a different camera. And with that camera, uh, I found out that it would only record straight for about 11, 12 minutes. At that time, didn't know that. Had a nice uh, 30, 30, 35-minute conversation with uh, Karen and literally only got 11 minutes of it. Uh, And that was luckily just enough of the meat to put together a piece of programming for it. But it did not... uh, It it definitely was a little bit annoying because you lost a lot of great information. So... We actually had done an interview previously to this, and once again, uh, my conversation with her got cut off early. So uh, she was so gracious because she is busy. She is busy changing the world of high school rugby to college rugby transitioning uh, and, and was able to continue to talk uh, with me once again, and we finally got it all down. What? Third time's the charm, baby! <laughs> so, no, it was really great. It was great to catch up with her the first time, and then this one was was great just to get the information and just be able to have the conversation. And, and I really think that people, especially parents, who are looking for their high schoolers uh, to kind of move up into the college ranks and or college students who want to be able to, you know, intersect the uh, uh, intersect between playing and and getting proper academics karen is the person to talk to again there is not a lot when it comes to the commoditization of rugby but those of us that are in the business and are in the industry and dedicated to the industry it is 
it is real and you guys need again because it's it's not an easy task like people being there at the beginning does not make things easier it definitely changes it up so uh karen was a great conversation i was so happy to be able to talk with her uh, i learned a bunch um she also sent me the great book uh college playbook an in-depth guide to college admissions and rugby recruiting uh you guys need to go pick it up we'll talk about it in the podcast i don't want to you know put too much more so you guys have to listen so without further ado guys karen fung want to thank you for coming on uh first off just just to start off you know tell us a little bit what it is that you do sure uh i am the owner and founder of the ruggers edge it is a uh, college advising uh company that focuses on helping high school students um, and their families uh, through the entire college application process um you know kind of from start to finish for everything from you know choosing courses you know uh, picking out the right colleges that are going to match what the students goals are um but with the very specific and unique needs of what a rugby player might be looking for um and this comes from uh, my own rugby uh, experience you know being a player and then a coach and then a referee um you know as well as professionally um, working um, with high school students as a high school guidance counselor is kind of a perfect blend of my two passions, kind of thinking about college and planning for that next step for high school students. Um, and then also, you know, with rugby, I mean, as many kids, I think that we can keep playing the game um, into college and beyond. I think that is something that all of us who are invested in the sport here in the U.S., uh, we definitely want to see, you know, it, it come to fruition. You know, we want to see that pathway uh, become more clear and definitely um, a success. Oh, awesome. You know, and it also looks like you also put together a really awesome book that I had the uh, chance to be able to read over actually three times. Uh, the College Playbook and In-Depth Guide to College Admission and Rugby Recruiting. You know, um, we'll go into that a little bit more. But before we start with all that, I kind of want to know, like, what got you started in rugby to begin with? Oh, so that's so my origin story. I your guess. origin story. Everybody's <laughs> every superhero has to have their origin story, and I'm gonna consider you a rugby Wonder Woman right now. So, <laughs> uh, so actually, it, I don't know if it's that interesting of a story, but um, my high school, which is uh, in the Bay Area in California, it's called Piedmont High School, has one of the oldest uh, boys high school programs I think in the country. They've been around forever. It's called Pitts Piedmont uh, International Touring Side. So for a really long time, all through high school, I was very well aware of rugby. You know, I think at a lot of high schools, rugby really wasn't around until maybe recently. So the fact that this is in the 90s, um, you know, that I was going to, you know, see rugby games in the spring, it was very normal um, for that, you know, for most of the, the young men, you know, in high school to be playing that, you know, in the spring season. Um, I really got a chance to see it. I kind of loved the sport. A lot of my friends played it. Um, so I went to college. I went to UC Davis, which is in California, you know, again, Northern California. Um, I just happened to, you know, kind of read a, a school newspaper and <clears throat> in the fall, it's kind of looking to see what sport I would play. Um, and there, there was an ad and it just said, you know, we're starting a women's rugby team, no experience needed, um, come out to an informational meeting. And so this was in the fall of 1997. It was actually the first year we started women's rugby at UC Davis, as well as the neighboring colleges. So this was the first year we decided to have a league. It was Davis, Humboldt. Uh, University of Nevada, Reno, Santa Clara, Stanford, 
San Jose, UC Santa Cruz. I mean, a whole handful. This was all everyone's first year. Um, and I think in my mind, I was thinking it'd be great to start a new sport where everyone was basically on ground zero. You know, no one, this was not a sport anyone had ever played in high school. So I felt like, look, if, if I make a total fool of myself, I'm not the only one, right? It's not like, you know, maybe like soccer. That's something where girls, you know, and, and guys too, um, you start playing that at a really young age. It's not like I could pick up competitive soccer um, in college. You know, most girls who had already been playing and playing for a really long time. So I felt like at least I had a fighting chance, you know, to play at this level. Um, and, you know, after the first practice, where you know at that that time we were getting coached by other uh, by men's team players like we didn't even have official coaches it was like guys that were injured <laughs> that said they would come out and help for a little bit um, and we were just running around literally like chickens with our heads cut off I remember our first practice we had a joint practice with Chico State um, we had a joint practice and then we tried a game and I think just the fact that we were playing against each other, but it was so supportive and the, you know, the camaraderie started right away. And, and not only, you know, in our own team at Davis, but also between the teams. Cause I think, you know, between the teams, we knew that we had to make this happen. You know, we all had to grow our own teams on our campuses, but we had to put together, you know, good games. You know, we had to learn from each other um, or else it was never just going to continue. So it's been really great. I mean, on a side note, I mean, just seeing, I mean, you know, UC Davis, the women, you know, seeing them win the, the D1 Women's National Championship two years in a row, that's been huge for me, you know, to see like, wow, like we took that, you know, I was a founding member, you know, back in <laughs> 97 and see where it's been like. And, you know, I think I just did a highlight uh, on that program in my newsletter where, you know, every year they have around 50 to 60 girls come out every year. Um, and to know that that's 50 or 60 girls that are playing rugby, um, having a good time of it and hopefully just, you know, building that, that, you know, love of the game that I think both of us already share. Absolutely. You know, I've always found it interesting because, you know, I've heard that story, especially from a lot of the players that started in the 90s, where it was just this kind of like this free for all. It's like, look, we just want some players. And, and it, it kind of had that connection. So for you uh, in high school, were you always an athlete or was this kind of your first foray into doing some some major competitive athleticism? Well, I so I, I mean, I played, so I played volleyball in high school. Um, but you've met me, you, you know, I'm not, I'm not the tallest person out there, right? I'm about, I'm like barely five, five. Um, so, I mean, ideally, you know, I originally was like, I'm going to go play volleyball in college. And it's like, it's just not going to happen. Right? right. Like it's just, so that was part of the reason um, I wanted to stay competitive. I wanted to be part of a team. I was such a big part of my, uh, my life in high school, um, which is why I kind of, I think, I was looking, I was looking for something I could join and be a part of and, and not just kind of, you know, maybe I could have gone somewhere like a division three and sat on a bench, you know, but that, for me, I want to compete. Like I like, I like being out on the field. I like actually training towards a goal. So, you know, I think that's why rugby really called to me. Um, and surprisingly something that, you know, some people are always shocked to hear. I was a volleyball player and I was also a cheerleader. So those are my two, you know, sports. Um, that I did throughout high school. So, you know, that's kind of where I get a lot of positive energy. I was about to say, I was going to say, you, like, you have the energy to, to be able to make sense. Like, it doesn't surprise me. Like, I would have been... I would have been more surprised if you had been like, you know, I was a volleyball player and then I was like 
a wrestler, and I would have been like, okay, I, I don't I don't see that, but okay, it works. But yeah, no, no, I can definitely get the cheerleader part. So, you know, whenever it comes in that Bay Area, and obviously you're you're kinda in an area where there's it's a lot of talent. I mean, it's it's Northern California. It's I have a lot of friends that have been around there. You know, was was there always um when it comes to like family and stuff like that, whenever you started playing, like how well did they take into that? Because you know, even now, it's it, it can jump either way. Whenever people think rugby, and then they think they're little girls, and then they're like, "Oh God, what's going to happen to them?" Right. I mean, I think um, certain pockets uh, related to college planning, and also related to sports recruitment and things like that, and planning for the future. There's certainly in the more metropolitan areas, you're going to have parents and and even the, the the students that are way more on board and are ready to go, gearing up like there will be an eighth grade already thinking about how do we get to that college? Right. You know, how do we put together the right video? How do we start reaching out to coaches? When, what's the timeline look like? What should we be doing? What classes? Um, and they reach out to me really early because they already want like a four year plan. What are we doing? Um, you know, so obviously I think the Bay Area is a big one, the Northeast, New York, Connecticut, Boston, those areas, they're definitely ahead of the, kind of ahead of the curve. I think the last, um, statistic that uh, one of the professional organizations um, you know I, I do a lot of work with it's called IECA it's the Independent Educational Consultants Association um, they do surveys um, and and you know they did a lot of outreach and research and I think a few years ago four or five years ago it was about one one out of every four students applying to a competitive college was using a college planner or someone like me to help them through the process um, you know and as, as most people know I think in general the, the college planning piece, the application part, admission, scholarship, recruitment, it's just getting more competitive. So, you know, just like anything, I think if you're going to want to play at a high level, you know, you might take on a, a personal trainer, right, or a coach, right. something like that. So it's, I think it's the same thing you're seeing um, from the college side. You know, I think the more competitive families or that are looking at those really selective colleges, it makes sense for them to have someone really in their corner. You know, a lot of the students I work with, I'm like, you know, if it's Joey, I'm like, look, I'm a part of team Joey now, right? <laughs> like we're here to make sure that every strategy we can use to, to benefit your chances of admission or scholarship or whatever you're looking for, we're going to do right. We got levers to pull. We're going to pull them. Right. Um, and so that way, you know, hopefully we get the best outcome possible. And so far I've been really excited. You know, I think my work and the successes kind of speak for themselves, mm -hmm. which has kind of been my plan all along, right? Like I think working with students, high school down to, I mean, I have a toddler. It's like everything having to do with kids. It's all by referral, right? You know, it's all by like who someone else, another parent on a team or something. They said, look, Karen did a great job with my son or daughter. You should work with her. So I would say 90% of what I do, it's referral based. Right, Someone right. who's worked with me felt like I really added value for them, got a good result. So they're going to refer me to another family. Um, so that's been really exciting. I mean, that's my, um, that's always a great compliment is when someone's like, Hey, you know, my, you know, I heard about you from, you know, a teammates, you know, dad, and we thought we'd give you a call. So that's always, that's always really nice to hear. Man, that's awesome. So I, I kind of, I kind of want to like, See, especially whenever it comes to the, because, uh, you know, as we get more into the consulting, like, I, I love to be able to get how your perception has been able to build towards that, because 
obviously when it comes to parents, you know, you, you and, and as we've proven there referral wise, what they what they perceive and is based off of you, not not just necessarily your knowledge, but it's off of you. And then your knowledge compounds on top of that for them to be able to trust and be like, OK, you're taking care of my babies, you know. Right. So I, mean, I, I would say as a small an interesting thing, I just happened to think about it um, when I was meeting with a family the other day. Um, I think high school rugby, youth rugby is really growing. Mm-hmm. But as you probably know, I think the the competition level is different in different areas, right? So sometimes, for example, I might have a family that calls me, let's say, um, from the south, right? I, you know, you know, mom or dad is like, look, he's the best player, you know, he's made the state team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I might look at his profile. I would look at his film. And I think sometimes it's interesting to hear it from me. I, I'm objective, right? I have no skin in the game here for me to let them know, like, look, your son is great, um, but is he going to go play for that varsity program and start right away? You know, I, I don't know. You know, or I might end up saying, like, look, like, he might be in the wrong position. You know, he he's playing lock, but he's six foot. And you want him to go play lock at, you know, a cow. Right. You know, and if you look at their roster, you know, it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're much taller than six foot. So it might be a conversation where you just need an outside person, maybe outside of the region to point out, well, you know, it might be something that if you're really interested in that school, is he, has he played other positions? Is he able to play other positions or, you know, let's look at some other programs that might be a better fit. Um, you know, things like that. So just getting the families to kind of think about, um, they're sometimes like you're saying, they're so uber focused you know, on their, 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 you know, their, their pride, their pride and joy, right? It's like, right. oh my God, he's the best. <laughs> Not realizing that there's actually lots and lots of kids that are very, very good. Right. Um, then you start adding in all the other pieces like, okay, well, let's look at his grades. Let's look at his activities. Let's look at all those things together. Is he really a fit for that school that you originally started with? And most of the time, the conversations, you know, I think in terms of matching colleges, um, we always start off with one list and you would see from the time we start to the time we end, that list changes quite a bit. You know, as the students also do a little more soul searching, a little more research, it's like, you know, if they live in Louisiana, do they really want to go to school in Washington? Maybe that's too far. You know, Central Washington is maybe a great program, but wow, for them to get from where they are to that school, it's going to be much more difficult for that family than maybe Arkansas State or LSU Alexandria, you know, or something like that. So thinking about, all those little pieces that will help support this player and the family, those are all things that I do. It's just trying to make sure that the match is right. Because right. if we get it wrong, I mean, it's just so much tougher on, on everybody, right? Like on the college program that you now just had to leave, on the high school player having to go back home, on the parents who just invested all this money and now they're coming back home. So, I mean, as much as possible, we want to do as much work as we can on the front end. So they go off to college and it's a good fit you know, they, they have the major they want, they play the rugby they want, they graduate, get a job, you know, don't move back home. I mean, I would say that that's like the goal. Like I say that at every presentation, the parents are like, yes, that's the goal, right? We don't want them to move back home to our basement. Like, that's not what we want. <laughs> hey, look, look, it's a mili- it, it, it's post, post-recession post time. You know, the basement wasn't so bad for a while there. Now we're starting to aim our way out. So let the, the kids might have a chance to the transition point now. But, um, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, you know, so at, at, whenever you're doing this, when you're doing consulting, and obviously, you know, you've been able to do this for for several years. Um, kind of, uh, what was your lead up into getting into the consulting game? 
Oh, okay. That's a good question. So I think I mentioned earlier, um, originally, um, when I was in California, actually, I'll kind of back up a little bit. I, in my former life, before I started doing <laughs> this educational stuff, um, this might be another topic we should talk about. Um, I used to work in television. So I was a production manager. Um, I worked a lot in reality television. I worked for uh, Fox Sports. I worked in an old, I don't know if you remember the show, Best Damn Sports Show, period. Absolutely. That show. I absolutely um, do. <laughs> so I was a production manager on that show. I mean, I had a great time. You know, it was fun to travel around and do all sorts of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I was finding that something I was really looking forward to at the time. I was helping them start up the Santa Monica Youth um, Rugby Program. I was coaching like U eights, like little kids, and I loved it. I thought it was great. Then I started kind of getting into like U tens, U twelves, and um, just really enjoying the mentorship part and really working with students. And I, I kind of had that um, kind of mid midlife crisis, right? So I'm in my late twenties. I'm like, I just don't know if working in TV is really what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, it was really hard to juggle um, that job specifically because of so much travel, right? Like for example, when I used to work. I worked actually on the first two seasons of The Apprentice, so I've actually met President, you know, <laughs> after President, which is so weird, because back then I would not have thought that. Um, but I would spend half the year in New York and half the year in LA. So I mean, that was really difficult to to manage um, any sort of you know personal other you know activities. Like I, I stopped playing, I couldn't really coach, so I said, okay, I want to try something else. Um, I kind of decided on a whim. I'm like, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go back to school. Um, so I went back to school to get my high school, um, my counseling degree and my master's. Um, so I got that. I started working in a high school in San Diego. And essentially what happened was about a year after I got in, um, the in California, we had a huge budget, you know, huge budget crisis. So they cut all the counselors. So the high school I was at, at that time had eight counselors for about 3,000 students. Um, and when I left, it was down to four. Um, and that's just because obviously when they can cut budgets, um, they're gonna try to leave money for teachers, right? And, and counselors tend to be kind of student services, maybe separate, so they're able to cut that. So in the time when I was kind of waiting to see if I could get back into a school, um, I had other colleagues and friends that had also started doing college consulting on the side. So just kind of slowly meeting with a couple parents here and there to give them some advice, you know, very um, casually, you know, just I knew them from, you know, maybe coaching or refereeing and things like that. Um, and slowly but surely, it was interesting that the, the Rutgers Edge really came about organically, because families were just coming to me and saying, so we heard you're the person to talk to because my son's been playing rugby now for two years. He loves it. Where can he go? Um, we, we have no idea, like, does San Diego State even have a team? And this is in San Diego. Like, they didn't even know. They couldn't find the information. You know, again, the, the, the communication of what programs are available is still, it's not as great as I think other sports have done. So I think for a lot of parents, you know, they want to, again, support their kid, right? They're like, oh, my God, he's doing so well. She wants to play. Well, where can she go? And in my mind... Um, because I'm in this world, like we're in this world, it makes sense to us. Like, oh, of course that that was, this team's in collegiate premier division, but oh, actually, no, they changed it. Next year it's D1A. And then this year it's something else. And like, it makes sense because you're a part of it and you're like, oh, well, it's just changing, like whatever, not a big deal. But to a lot of kids and to parents, they're really confused. And when they get confused, um, I think the, the downside is some of them will just say, oh, never mind. I'm not going to do that. Just it doesn't seem like it's very organized. So parents started coming to me and saying, "Can you just make sense of this for us? Our kid has fallen in love with rugby. He wants to keep playing. Um, 
so just kind of started again, kind of meeting families on the side. Like I'm not, I don't do this officially, but I'll, I'll help you out. I'll just sit down and explain to you. This is how rugby's set up right now. This is how women's teams look like. This is what nationals look like. This is what varsity cup is. This is what so-and-so. Um, and over time, there was enough interest. I felt like, you know what? Like, I think I could do this full time. Like I could really focus my energy and do this. Um, and I did like, I randomly was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this website and it, it's just, it's going to happen. Um, so it's been really great to see and looking back on, I mean, even when we first met to see where it's come from there till now, um, that there's enough people out there that are very interested and are always still, looking for someone to help them do this. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my job as a counselor, you know, I think in my heart of hearts, you know, I'm a helper, you know, I wanna help people. I mean, um, it's great, you know, to, to make a living off of it, but at the end of the day, it's like, I wanna help families, like get to where they wanna go. Um, if there's that little bit, you know, and sometimes I'll like some of these kids I work with them, like, they're like, oh my God, Miss Karen, thank you so much. Like, I'm so excited to go to X, Y, and Z. I couldn't have done it without you. I always tell them, no, like you, you did this. I was a very small part, you know, like I might've given them a couple things to kind of guide them. But at the end of the day, the students are the hero in that story. You know, if they got to Harvard, Dartmouth, Cal, West Point, they did all that work, you know, and I'm happy to kind of just be like, Hey, I was kind of <laughs> over here helping a little, but man, I think when, when the kids are ready and willing to work hard for something, like there's some great successes that can happen. Yeah, and you know, and I've been a big believer in the concept of college. I mean, we always known that college rugby has been one of the pinnacles for USA. Uh, and then obviously we've tried to focus in on professional and obviously going down to the high school. But that, that formative years of 16 to about 21, I've always felt is where you see your best start to pop out. But in the environment that we have now, college has gotten so college rugby has gotten so confusing. And then add on top of that, just the concept of doing college uh, preparation, you know, has always seemed tough. I, I used to do college prep for a little bit, and I just remember talking, to, remember talking to parents, and they were like just as confused as you would have been 10, 15 years ago. And I'm thinking, look, you can Google everything. Why, yeah. why is this so difficult? So. Adding just that confusion plus the confusion that comes with uh, with with college rugby itself, you know, what are some of the things that you've always tried to let parents know when it comes to that first few steps of of, of trying to figure out what is that proper rugby program, and then subsequently what what kind of rugby program is it that they want to be able to reach? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the first things whenever I sit down with the families for the first time is, you know, my first question is always going to be what 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 are what are your goals? Right. What is what is the student looking for? What is the family looking for? So I'll give you two examples. Number one, family might call me and say, look, my my student is, um, you know, he's an average student, you know, B's and C's. He's a great kid, great rugby player. This is what motivates him. We want him to go to college um, to play rugby, but we're we're kind of tight on the budget. We got four kids. Right. He's the first one. Like we're not able to afford a lot. You know, we also make maybe a little too much to qualify for lots of need based aid. What can we do? So I'm going to tell them right up front. Well, what what is your end goal here? If the goal is to find colleges that are going to fit a certain budget, that list is going to be very different than family two who comes to me and says, I've got so and so, you know, I've got, you know, Johnny, he's a great player, great grades, great test scores. We want to see can rugby help him get him into a better college than he would have? What's a 
quote, best college he can go to. Right. right? Where maybe rugby plays a little bit, right? Where rugby is going to be leveraged a little bit for him because that college is aware of rugby, excited to have more rugby players on campus. So you might see a difference of, let's say, Family A, who's really looking for scholarship. Those schools might fall more into, you know, maybe an American International College, a Notre Dame College, a Wheeling Jesuit, or something like that, where we're able to potentially, you know, put some scholarships together, right? Some rugby scholarship, maybe some merit scholarship, things like that. Um, where the other student, it's like if we, if, if the goal is just to get you into the best college you can, you know, we might be looking at, you know, a UCLA, a Cal, a University of Washington, um, you know, a Syracuse, you know, something where maybe the name brand is a little more important to them, um, where the academics are going to play a bigger role. Because um, I mean, I, I've had people who are like, why don't you just put out a list, the best colleges? I'm like, well, but the best college for family A is not going to be the best college for family B, C, D, E, or, you know, like go, going down the line. I mean, every, if you look at all the different college lists I have for all the students, they're very different because again, we even start boiling that down a little bit more. What are your goals into? Well, does, does Johnny know what he wants to major in? Right. So Johnny's like, I really want engineering. Well, that's really going to change the list. Right. Cause now we're not going to include schools like Lindenwood, like life, um, you know, schools that don't offer an engineering school. We might throw in a school like Purdue. Right. Which isn't like I wouldn't say a powerhouse rugby program, but they're a good, decent, competitive program with a great engineering program. Right. Or we might throw in like a Michigan. We might throw in, um, an, you know, an Oklahoma. I mean, other teams are kind of getting thrown in there because we're trying to find, you know, as much as possible, the rugby piece but as much as possible, the academic piece. And again, you know, like I tell a lot of families, you might have your five things you want, and we're gonna try to find a college that meets three out of five, four out of five. You may not get five out of five, right? So like, what are the things you're willing to compromise on? And that's where a lot of families get stuck because they're like, oh, well, we want them to go to the best college, but we, we can only pay 15,000. I'm like, well, you can't choose. Right. Like if you really want to go somewhere for the lowest cost possible, we can make it happen. Right. But you, you can't pick. Right. You can't say like, oh, I, I, I only want those colleges in California. Well, there's not much we can do. You know, like <laughs> options are going to be really, really finite versus, hey, we're open to anything. So I think just helping them understand, you know, rugby, I think, is growing and it's dynamic. But it's definitely not at the, it's not like American football where you really could say, I've got a super talented player. Yeah, so he failed that class. Well, he could probably, that coach could help get him in. He could make up the class in the summer. Or he could get in probationally. There aren't that, you know, there aren't enough programs where rugby is valued that much that they're willing to take the chance on, on that student. You know, so I think that's a big difference is the families that are like, oh, I, I've helped my older son or daughter, you know, get recruited for volleyball or soccer it's very different than how it is for rugby. Cause we just, we're just not quite there yet. You know, maybe in five years, it might be hopefully a little more along that path. Um, but right now we're still in the infancy of how this all works. You know, and I, I love that you mentioned on that because one of the things that I loved about your book was well, your breakdown on the type of, pro the type of programs that offer sponsorships and just the numerous amount of, categories that go the the varsity the quasi varsity the sort of give you money but not really the we don't have any but they're up and coming like i loved it and even with the list you had to that but you know i, I know that part has one of the biggest confusions because like you said 
there's one half of it where people need to find the right fit when it term comes to academics, and that's probably the biggest lead that it comes with it. But then you have this other side where you have these people looking at a Lindenwood, a Life, uh, you know, a uh, uh, an AIC, well, not maybe AIC, a, a Quinnipiac or uh, a Central Washington or even a Davenport, any of those kinds. And it's just there's this vast diversity that comes with the subjects. Can you kind of explain a little bit about how that one works out and, and how that breaks down a bit? You mean like like how those programs are kind of like similar but different? Is that right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm a visual person, so it's like I like to see. Like, I mean, I think the easiest way to think about it is, um, you know, there's really two major groups of the way the teams are separated, and it's really varsity, um, which are teams like Quinnipiac for the women, um, you know, Harvard for the women, Cal for the men, um, Lindenwood for the men, Life for the men. Um, those are examples of varsity programs where the rugby is on the same tier as all the other intercollegiate athletic sports on campus. So one of the easiest ways that all, you know, families like, oh, is this, is this team varsity or not varsity? The quickest way I would tell them to look at it is if they go to that school's website, you know, they go to so-and-so.edu, they click athletics and they see the list of sports. If rugby isn't listed as a sport on that website, it's not varsity. Okay, so a varsity team has to fall under the oversight of the athletics department. Right. So that's like intercollegiate varsity. And I know a lot of teams might throw that word around, you know, like whatever, we're kind of varsity, whatever. The way I define it is, can I find it on the school's actual website under athletics? The second most generally, and I would say 80% of teams in the U.S. fall in this category is their club. And so club means they don't fall under intercollegiate athletics. They fall under typically the oversight of the school's sports and recreation, intramural, you know, kind of, you know, club sports. Um, and that would include, you know, on the same tier as them would be other club sports like ultimate Frisbee, uh, you know, maybe field hockey, you know, like soccer. I mean, they would have club sports where they play other schools, but it's not under the athletics department. So a club sport I mean, you can pick pick a name of a hat, you know, it's like UC Davis, which we talked about, club sport, um, University of Washington, club sport, um, you know, Boise State, those are club sports. Um, and then the only kind of, I think the thing that really throws a wrench in the whole thing is that rugby is one of the only sports where we now have this third bucket, which is kind of pulling from both pieces, which is what we've kind of been talking kind of like quasi varsity, club varsity or varsity club, where you're kind of like, you've got teams that are kind of in the middle. Um, so a good example would be like Penn State, um, University of Arizona, where they might have a couple pieces. So they might have access to the school is paying for a head coach. You might have access to, um, you know, sports trainers, strength and conditioning, field access, varsity um, athletics training room, things like that. But they're not quite all the way varsity. You know, they might not have access to scholarship. They don't have access to admission influence, um, things like that. So they're going to get some pieces, but they're still kind of club, but maybe a little better than club. Um, and I think you see this on the field. You know, you're going to see that certain teams are going to be able to recruit better if they have a little bit um, maybe more amenities to offer students. Um, so those are kind of the main three. And of the teams you mentioned, I mean, I think Quinnipiac, the ones that are varsity, you're really looking at what you would imagine a collegiate athletic experience should be. You know, full-time dedicated coaches, facilities, fields, things like that. Um, and then on the club side, you know, you you have teams that are, you know, hey, we're, we're, we have practices, but 
forget which team it is. One of the pra- one of the teams could only get field time at like 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Mondays and Thursdays. You know, I mean, wow. I remember this is a long time ago, but my first season at Davis, there was a time when um, the fields because it had been rainy, we couldn't get on the field. We had to get in a gym. The only time we could get in the gym was at midnight. So we would have midnight madness practices, which looking back was hilarious, <laughs> but midnight to 2 a.m. That was the only time we could get time together. And I mean, you would never imagine a varsity team doing that, right? You wouldn't be like, okay, we're having practice tonight at midnight. I mean, that's crazy. So I think as a club um, sport, you're really having to work around other sports. You know, what is roller hockey doing? What is badminton doing? You know, and um, you're sharing lots of field time and field space. You may, um, there's another team, I can't think of it right now, but they play games off site. There's not even field space on campus. So they're having to drive to a local middle school, you know, to play. So I think those are the, the kind of the, the parts where rugby, I think on the club side need to kind of catch up. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you were just there at college sevens. I think one of the tougher things is seeing the, the haves and the have nots, right? The haves almost are kind of pulling so far ahead that these guys are having to work so much harder to catch up. I mean, it's hard to, keep guys fit if you can only get field space twice a week where if you're Lindenwood and you get field space every day like man you could spend whole day on fitness a whole day on footwork you know you could work on kicking you can just work on counterattacks. I mean you have so much more time to build maybe some basic skills um you know things like that which is where you see those results right like they had a great result at college sevens you know they did great at the crcs um cal is obviously a great example right I mean textbook that final game, it was like they, they 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 tackled, they ran, they didn't do any. You know, the commentators were like, they don't do anything flashy, but they do the the, the basics really well. You know, you're not getting past them, you're not going to get around them. You know, right. they know right. how to you know slide out, they know how to make those inside out tackles. Like they they do all those things well that other teams, I think, just maybe they just had a little more time you know, would hopefully catch up in, in terms of those basic skills. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between a person playing 10 hours, uh, not even 10, four hours a week versus, mm-hmm. you know, being able to do 30 hours per week. Like, of course, you, you're, you're going to be able to make up more of those mistakes. And it, it kind of leads me into the other thing. And this this might go into a little bit of a rant, but it does no, lead no, into I, an actual I question. <laughs> so I, I've always been under the belief that, you know, when it comes to the have-nots of college rugby, a lot of the problems that college rugby has is that administratively, there isn't a uh, there isn't a sense of creating value. There's always a sense of I want to be able to do great rugby, and everybody strives to be able to do great rugby. But when it comes to trying to pull something from the universities or anything like that, they don't show what that value, whether it's revenue generation, whether it's student accumulation, anything along those lines. And I've always believed that whenever it comes with that, you see it's school like LSU Alexandria, who has now utilized a concept of building from kids that are domestic, but heavily taken in from international kids as well. And being able to use those as a bolster. And you see the same thing from Davenport, I think, at one time. Lindenwood definitely very heavily. And Life very heavily. Um, you know, you you see these guys that just whatever is happening on the field, off the field there's a legitimate value that has been made by this rugby team. And so the university has a uh, incentive to be able to give something to them. Now, what, now where the question actually comes in is that 
whenever you've watched these teams, and especially these that don't that have these have nots, from your perspective, what seems to be you know maybe one of those key problems that you felt that makes it difficult for them to be able to maybe take that next step forward, that that next level. Obviously, we've mentioned practice time is one, but you know. Yeah. It's, well, I actually, I did a, a presentation at the NDS this year. It was, it was geared towards college programs to help them grow their programs. And kind of, it was, it was helping them understand from a high school perspective what it is that parents and students are looking for so that they can kind of, you know, if you know what they're looking for, you need to know how to provide it, right? And I think right now the, the college programs, um, they're focusing very heavily on the rugby, which if you're not winning, you know, whatever your conference, your title or whatever, you know, you're a lot of the teams feel like, well, I guess I'm just not going to recruit really because we don't have anything to offer rugby wise. But really, you know, all, all the conversations I've had with college coaches where, you know, I've had lots of them this year, like how, how do we build our program? The number one thing I tell them is stop focusing on the rugby because that's a very, very small part. So when I have, you know, family A coming in with Johnny, I even have a you know a question on my questionnaire. What is more important, the the rugby program or the academic program? Hundred percent of the time, they always say academic program. Mm -hmm. So even if you know they're they're never gonna say I would give up, uh, you know a, a great academic school for a rugby program. They really want a better rugby program. I mean a better academic program over rugby. So something I'll tell them is like, okay, if you are, you know Syracuse, right? Like you, you guys are in, I think they're in D1A now, you know, they're, they're doing well, but the thing they really, you know, I've told them, like, let's focus on the fact that you guys have one of the number one um, film and television programs in the country, right? Like you guys are a huge kind of classic college sports town. Um, you guys are, you know, in the Northeast, you guys, you know, kind of all those factors separate from rugby that make you unique because that's actually what kids and parents are looking for. I have a student from California who is going to Syracuse because the rugby's there and the rugby's, you know, good, but it's actually for that film and television program, right? It's not just for the rugby. So I think they maybe lose sight of when kids and parents are looking at college, it's college. Right. right. Like, where are they going to like study again, graduate and get a job? Like, that's the end of the day. Like rugby isn't at a point where they're not going pro. Right. There's maybe I don't know. I mean, how many players do you know? Maybe five or ten. Right. Maybe if, that goes if even that, if yeah, even that. And if they do that, they've got a very short longevity and they're not making tons of money anyway. Right. So I think no matter what, if we're focusing on college and I think that is where the growth of the game is, if we make that a really solid investment, um, it's still got to be focusing on what what is the ROI for the for the major right or for whatever they're going to study. Rugby is great, but that's not what's going to pay the bills in 20 years. Right. Um, so I told you know I sat down with the coaches at the uh, Susquehanna, um, and that was the same thing. I said, "What are you guys known for? Like, I'm, I'm just meeting you now. Tell me about your school." And they were like, "Huh." well and they had to kind of think about it and then they were able to share with me a little bit more about the school you know that that it's a smaller school there's lots of attention to the students um that students don't fall through the cracks they pay a lot of attention to their student athletes um you know and those little things i was like that's what we need to focus on because there's a parent out there that's saying johnny's gonna go to college and i'm worried right i don't want to send him to ohio state and have him get lost in the crowd 
and have no one, you know, keep track of him. I need him to go to a smaller school where the coaches care, where there's academic liaisons, where there's um, maybe more oversight. Um, so that's the thing where Susquehanna, for example, or, you know, like a Salisbury or something like a smaller school is a better fit for that particular family. Um, and, and they're out there, right? I mean, I, I don't know if you know the numbers, like total number of high school players playing right now. Um, I used to. I used to because yeah. I looked. I remember looking at it, but I, I don't remember it at the moment. I mean, there there's enough out there that, you know, I think if you focus, I think similarly to me, like focusing on the niche of rugby, like everyone's like, that's so weird from, from a professional standpoint. Other college counselors of mine, most of them are generalists, right? right? Like do everything. And like, while I can, I work with many students that aren't rugby. The reason I really focused on rugby specifically is hey, that's the one thing I know really well. <laughs> I'm the only one that knows it. Right. So that's what I'm going to really double down on, right? So I think the colleges, if they want to help themselves, the big thing they can do is like, well, what, if we can separate out the rugby, what does our school do really well that no one else does? You know, are we the only, like I just found out that University of Utah, they have a new um, entrepreneurship program where they have students that want to major in that, um, they have a separate dorm for them, which acts as an incubator. So they get to essentially start up companies every year all together. So by the time they graduate, they've essentially run, you know, a couple companies, That's so which awesome. is amazing. So it's like rugby's there. It's great. But hey, if you want to do entrepreneurship, why wouldn't you think about that school? Absolutely. Right? Like what a great opportunity. So I think for them to focus maybe on that piece that's unique, you can't get that anywhere else. So that makes them very special. No, and I, I love that, and it makes perfect sense to me. You know, even whenever we've done a lot of this media stuff now and a lot of this broadcasting, people have always asked me, why aren't you trying to do, like, more sports? Why don't you try and spread out? And I'm like, look, I love the concept of rugby as a niche sport. It's like a perfect niche sport because there's so much room to be able to maneuver and be flexible. But the other part of it that I've also learned is that with because of that flexibility, you have a chance to do something very different than other sports where a lot of sports and, and, and it comes down to, uh, I guess, genderism for me, which is one of the hugest things that rugby can has an advantage over other sports. Most sports typically slate, you know, whether it's male, whether it's female, they'll go one or the other. And then maybe you'll have a slight overlap, maybe in like tennis or golf. But for the most part, you have that you have a, a one side or the other. So when it comes with rugby, I've always believed that rugby has this advantage of being able to step itself up, up amongst other sports and say, look, we have a sport that is equitable between women and men. And you have a chance as a woman or a man to be able to compete at what would be considered equivalent levels, relatively equivalent levels, because they're so it's so niche right now that the talent pool is is, is relatively about the same. But I've also found that a lot of schools, you know, it's happened more and more, but a lot of schools still don't fully invest inside their women's program. They're very heavily invested in the guys program, which I understand for reasons, but the the power that I feel rugby has to be able to change and be a mainstream sport by all accounts in the same guys as a... I guess lacrosse, but I don't have a high opinion of lacrosse, anyways. But <laughs> lacrosse, or you know, um, you know, a, a college hockey, or anything amongst those that line, is that you do have these two markets, these two crowds to be able to do stuff with for players, and especially for women players. 
you know, what is their options like? Because one would, I, I, I always assumed until I started looking into it a little bit more that there wasn't a whole lot of options for women's programs. But then the more you look, it seems like you're starting to have a bigger spread. Is that an accurate representation or is there something Yeah, else? I mean, I think for the most part, like, I think across the board, generally speaking, I think anytime you have a club men's program, there's normally a club women's program too. Um, you know, like I think Kutztown is a good example where they had a men's program that became very successful first, and then they started up the women's program afterwards. Um, I think they've been trying for a while. I don't know if they got it going, but um, they started a women's program at St. Mary's, um, obviously the success of the men's program. So um, I think typically speaking, there are lots of options for women. I think from a varsity standpoint, there's clearly more options for women, you know, because they're an emerging NCAA sport, you know, there's, and that's a whole other issue. I mean, that they've been pushing to support women's rugby for a long time. Um, but, you know, I don't know if part of the reason it hasn't caught on as much is, I don't know if it's a top-down thing or a bottom, but it's like there's a lot of high school girls that at least I meet with that there's still a lot of trepidation about them continuing to play. Um, a lot of them feel like, yeah, we enjoy playing in high school, but... I probably can't play in college, which I think is, is very strange because most of them can. Um, but I mean, I wish we could, if you could track all the girls that played, let's say all the seniors that played at the national, the NIT, right? The national invitational tournament a couple weeks ago. I'm curious how many of them are actually continuing to play next year. I'd be willing to bet actually maybe 50%. Um, and I only know this because some of the college coaches I've talked to were like, yeah, you know, we, we reach out to those high school teams that are, his, you know, annually, every year, they're doing great at the national tournaments that a lot of those players just stop, um, you know, and I, I don't know what it, I don't know why. I don't know if it's a confidence issue or if it's from the high school standpoint that they're not pushing them towards college, um, where I think from the boys side, it's the opposite. You know, the boys are like ready to go like they Every single one you would talk to, I bet would be like, I could play at that level. You know, I'm, I'm going to be on TV tomorrow. Like they're so overconfident. We need a little bit of that to kind of seep in, I think, to the young women. And I think the more uh, chicken or the egg, right? It's like we, we're seeing more men's rugby on TV, which is great. Um, I think the more maybe we see a little more women's rugby, you know, that'd be great too. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it trickles down to, um, I know with like the, the, rugby women's group that I'm a part of. We talk a lot about, um, you know, trying to do more to encourage women to be referees, right? I'm, I'm a referee. I remember when I started, um, there was really only two women I knew of where I was at that were refereeing. Um, and now I think you could probably name, I mean, I can name maybe 15 I know that are actively refereeing. Wow. And that's big, you know, that it used to be like, that's weird. Like I've never seen a woman referee a men's game before. And now I think it's pretty normal. Right. Um, and and one thing that I like doing is if I referee high school boys, if I see them in college, it's the norm. Where four years ago, if I did a college men's game, you'd have, you know, older players or whatever be like, I'm not listening to her. Like, <laughs> you know, or like an older men's division, they're not used to it. So I think right. it's great as this is all developing, um, that piece becomes really normal to them to see women as coaches, as referees, as administrators, and really as players. I mean, when I was a player, our men and women's teams were very close. We were friends, you know, like you said, the, the laws, everything's the same. So 
you can kind of watch each other's games and it's all the same. You know, you're not like, oh, well, they can't hit in this game, you know, or something like that. It's like, whoa, like it's cool for, I think when we'd have, you know, or like I remember at the Nationals having the Lindenwood men support the women and vice versa. That was very cool, I think, to see that camaraderie, not even within their own teams, but across those teams. That's great to see. Yeah, and 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 I think that's that's again that's where I find the power that rugby has had over the, uh, over other sports, and it's what has the ability to be able to propel it. Um, though I don't know if, it, like I said, I, I don't feel like it's fully taken advantage of. But then and again, when it comes to rugby, there's a lot of things I don't feel yeah. it fully has taken <laughs> advantage of, and so it, it, it kind of goes into that clashing frustration. And you know, for me, again, I look at it as from a media perspective, you know, the the, the very small nuances that come in. Like, um, I'll use this as an example. I remember talking to somebody and I was asking them, you know, you know, what they thought about college. And one of the things they said perfectly was uh, how the the lack of a standard administrator uh, makes it very difficult for teams to be able to move past uh, what 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 they see right in front of them. You know, uh, I know, and it sounds like even the same thing with high school. There's, there's always something that is like we're we're so stuck in our own way. There's nobody to give us any kind of regulation with that. Um, considering how much time that you've spent within that rugby, within this rugby field, and you know, we're, I, well, at least since '97, we'll we'll put it like yeah. that. Uh, the ten year and maybe a couple extra. You know, <laughs> um, uh, but you know, you you've had this time to watch this sport grow, and what do you think? constantly is that trepidation to say look guys let's for for most teams let's say let's put this in let's interact that and even maybe more so what what does it mean from a a usa rugby standard i mean i think god that's such a big question i mean i think one of the things that i see from the very small you know the lowest level but from the youth all the way up you know through college and high school i think um, and I had this conversation actually this last weekend at club finals is there's definitely a disconnect between maybe what the national office's goals are and then what what each individual team or what individual league or state-based rugby union, like their goals are very different, hmm. you know? And, and I think um, it's almost like we need to figure out, we spend so much time focusing on like, like one group is focusing on one thing. Like we need to get players, you know, to to be at the level where we can compete at the World Cup. We need to win a World Cup. Like like that's the goal. And you're like, okay, like for me, that's not my goal, right? Like like if that happens, that's great. But for me, that feels like such a far off thing. Like what is an attainable goal now, right? Like what can what can we actually do in the next year, two to five years? Um, I feel like sometimes if we focus on such a far off goal, all the other little things kind of fall apart, you know? And, and I know one of the things like Dan Payne, I'm sure you've talked to, you know, a big thing he wanted to focus on this year was just what we have to build the, you know, like the youth rugby. He really wanted to focus on getting, you know, rugby balls in hands and getting kids to fall in love with the sport and enjoy it regardless of even if they play, but it's like, you need fans, you need people to stick around. You need people to like, enjoy the sport. Like, it all, you know, eventually comes down to money, right? Even the equity piece you mentioned earlier, well, why, why would a men's sport get, you know, more money than another? I mean, college football is a huge example, right? They, they, it's a revenue generating sport. They're getting people to donate money, come through the gates, pay, you know, to get tickets and buy gear and stuff like that. Um, 
So at the end of the day, like, you know, even if you could host all these, you know, USA games, you got to get people through the door. And if not everyone plays it, it, you know, even if it's like, I played volleyball, but would I go to, you know, a USA volleyball game? I don't, maybe, because I played and it's like, I still enjoy it. Um, So they kind of hooked me early, even though I'm not playing anymore. And I think we have to do a better job of, you know, kind of continuing to bring those people in, even if they're not you know, currently like involved in the community. Um, I think one of the things is just maybe streamlining some of the organization. You know, I think we sometimes, I mean, even that book, the fact that there's like a hundred pages to like, ex, you know, you're kind of mentioning like the fact that I have to go into so much detail to explain something for the new parent or the new person coming in, if they're so confused by it that they're like, wait, I don't understand like what's Nscro, what's D2, like why is that team, you know, why is Duke Nscro? That doesn't make any sense. They're a D1 team, you know, like they don't understand that part. It's like the alignments are all a little bit weird. Um, I think rugby needs to figure out a way to just make it easier to understand. Like almost from if you were to show this spreadsheet to a non-rugby person and say, do you understand this? And if you need me to spend an hour to explain it to you, it's probably not the best way, you know? <laughs> so, right. I mean, something that we've talked about is, you know, the fact that every other sport, their national governing body doesn't manage college. Exactly. Right? They have an NCAA, they have an NAIA. And right now, I think the confusing part is we have USA Rugby, who I personally you know, I know lots of the people in the office, they work their tails off to do a million jobs. And to manage the whole college piece, there's maybe two people. Right. And I think that's a huge job to undertake for anybody. So, you know, are things perfect? No, but I wouldn't expect them to be, you know, when you only have two people to, to cover what, like a thousand teams, right? And people right. applying for waivers and well, this is happening and da da da. We have this discipline issue and this person transferred schools. I mean, all that goes through USA rugby, which doesn't actually make a lot of sense. You know, <laughs> so I think that there's been rumblings for a long time about whether or not there really should be uh, almost a separate entity like NCAA, um, but that's at least has a separate, you know, maybe agenda um, to managing college, kind of like Enscro, I guess. Enscro yeah, is a very yeah. good example, right? They're separate. So they administer that. I mean, they're they're under oversight of USA Rugby, but it's completely separate. Right. They they have their it's, they have their own board. They have their own system of uh, competition. They have their own championship. They just got the co-sign from USA Rugby, and I've always loved what Stephen Cohen has done with those people because it it is it's an amazing system. It's a really great system. But and and I'm a big believer in that. I I've told you this before. I'm I'm a rugby libertarian on this. You know, I'm a believer. Leave it up to the private industries to be able to do it. But at the same time, you have to set it up in a way that it is proficient to and and like you said, it has to be consistent and linear in terms of its communication with what the rest of the other teams are doing. Like I understood what the concept of the varsity cup was when they first did it. I don't care for the setup because I don't think it's it's an efficient system and it's not an inclusive it's it's not even like its own league it's just it's a different version of a tournament so I don't feel like it has the same guide but like you said with an NCAA and NIA uh the Heisman trophy bowl system you know whatever uh, you know whatever you want to march madness all of it has always been separated from the actual public entity so that it, it does have that I guess my biggest fear has always been that 
if they do create a separate entity, it'll be a separate entity in the same guys that it's a rim or, you know, something like that, where it's still USA Rugby or USA Rugby affiliated, but, you know, it just has a different name associated. And just instead of it helping to manage, it just sounds like it'll end up stripping more power away from people and and then yeah. just creating more confusion overall. So then it prevents teams, like I've always been a big believer, HBCUs are probably one of the, could be the biggest benefactors from rugby because of the fact that football programs are massively expensive uh, and typically a lot of that donor interaction comes from sports, but whenever your teams aren't typically doing well or not able to compete at the highest level, well, it doesn't it doesn't have the interest, but you can bring in international students, you have a much wider base, you are able to just take advantage of everything outside of what the rugby is outside of just what the rugby is. Create casual fans, which honest to God, I think is the one thing that USA rugby not USA rugby organization, USA rugby as a community yeah. does not do a great job of. And I, I love that you had mentioned casual fans like I don't need to play. I just need to relate to this enough to be able to yeah. want to continue watching it. Yeah, like like I never played baseball, but I'll go to a baseball game. Right. It's fun, right? Like you go with friends and you're like, cool. Like I'm paying for tickets. I'm buying hot dogs. I'm you know I'm spending money, right? I'm going on. Let's let, let's bring my daughter. Let's have a family day. Like let's. It's the reason they make money is there's enough other people that go. Even if they don't really like, I don't really care for the baseball, you know, <laughs> I don't know who's playing. Like, I don't know any of the rules. I'm like, okay, like sacrifice fly. I don't know. Like it's fun. <laughs> exactly. But, it's but an it's experience. Just fun. Like you just right. go, you know, for the, you know, the seventh inning stretch, like whatever the traditions. Right. Um, and I think that's where rugby really, you know, potentially. And I, I, I think that's where you get a lot of the youth rugby is helping with that because look, if your kid wants to go see that game, the parents are going, you know, and yep. I mean, I had, I had a player who, you know, is now playing in college. His parents have never seen it, but Hey man, they, they went everywhere with him to tournaments. They go to USA games now, you know, cause they, they watched him play and now they are also fans. Right. So that might be a really nice way of getting those casual. It's the parents. Exactly. Right? They're, they're there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, if you're going to be there, eh, maybe take advantage and just enjoy the full amount and, and, and that's exactly I, i'm a big believer i love that um karen just a last couple questions sure. for you i know you got to go shortly um but you know as you know obviously there's we were here in the uh the ever-growing bubble of professional rugby here in the united states where <laughs> everybody wants to create a team at least once yeah. a year and uh, we'll see what <laughs> happens with that so you know i you know w within that and and I i'll segue but it's gonna make sense in a second um, you know, I talked to a couple people who are from overseas and obviously the way that they do rugby overseas, uh, kind of alienates away from university because they have their own development program and they got build up from kids and stream them up all to the professional side. And obviously in the U S society where we're one that uses college as a through way. And then we get to the professional end for you, you know, as professional comes out and hopefully one of these things stick um you know what is it that you expect to see change in the ways that students are going to want to go about selecting their universities um well so that's a good question i, I think every now and then it starts popping up not necessarily professional but i think again back to the original question what are your goals right i think if if a player comes in i've had this happen a lot where it's like look my goal is to play for the national team or the highest level, whether it's professional or whatever. 
I think that does potentially what the college choices are going to be. Right. Um, and so something, you know, that we talk about with players is there's obviously, I think, certain programs that you are going to have better access to coaches that are going to advocate for you to go to those junior All-American camps or to be selected or to be seen. Um, some programs you're going to play better teams, so you're going to develop better. Right. If you're playing either more rugby or on your games, you're getting challenged. I mean, you certainly know some teams that are in conferences that every weekend it's a blowout, 105. Right. It's like. Well, how, how how much better is that player learning to play the game if they're just blowing out teams? You know, I'd rather see them maybe lose, but wow, they really are like playing some tough games week in and week out. You know, I think if that's a goal that they have, b- being a professional player, I think that is going to change a little bit of what teams I would even recommend. You know, would I really recommend a social club team, you know, at, you know, I'm, I'm like, Johns Hopkins, you know, for someone who wants to play on the national team, you know, I would have a tough time, you know, I mean, unless he wants to be like biomedical engineering and I feel like that's (laughs) a great fit, but rugby wise, if that is the end goal and the parents are totally supportive and they're like, look, this kid eats, breathes and sleeps rugby. That's the goal. We want to support him. Would he be better going to a team like, you know, a Cal, a, a life, a Lindenwood, where, you know, he's in a professional environment all the time. That's what's really going to prepare him if he really, truly wants to be a professional. Right? It's the same as if you have a football player that wants to potentially go to the NFL. He's not going to play at a Division three football school. Right, right. He is going to play Division one, where he can at least start, you know, kind of getting in that rhythm of what it's like to basically be professional. You know, like that's their focus. You know, and, and with professional, it's still one of those things where um, I think rugby's always been this way where it's like you're still never playing rugby for the money. You know, it is for like an end goal, like you want to represent your country or you want to be able to achieve a goal of playing professional. Um, but I still think college is always going to be a big piece because they still, let's say they do make uh, like some of those guys, right? They played professionally last year. Mm-hmm. It's not there now. So what is their job? Like they still have to have something to fall back on because it's still not solid enough, I think, for them to say, look, I could raise my family on it. You know, so I think until we have maybe 10 years of a solid league going, I'm not going to put any money into it and say, yeah, like that should be a goal of yours until we I, I can say, look, yeah, like I think that's a feasible option for you to legit, you know, like reasonably say that would be like a something you could do. Right. But, you know, you know, with rugby, it's like one of the things I, I tell all my families is, all right, when we start picking schools, we really have to operate on the broken leg rule. Right. Like, would you go to the school if you broke your leg the first day of school, you couldn't play rugby. Is this where you want to be? So at the end of the day, like they still have to be able to if they broke their leg first day of a pro season, what are you going to do? Right. You still have to know because it, it happens. And unfortunately, I've seen concussions, collarbones, knees, legs, all that stuff. So rugby is a you know, it is a contact sport. So I think just to be able to say, look, we got to have a plan B. Um, you know, you can't just go to rugby, you can't just go to college to play rugby. You, there's still going to be something else. There's an academic, an academic component too. No, and I, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm glad you do. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's that one cosign. No, I'm playing. Um, look, uh, where, where can everybody find you and be able to okay. get this amazing book? <laughs> yeah, great. Um, so they can find me, uh, ruggersedge.com. So just how it sounds, R-U-G-G-E-R-S, uh, ruggersedge.com. 
Um, they can reach me at uh, info at ruggersedge.com and they can find the book online. It's under what we do. Um, there's one link for services. So if they want to work with me directly, um, there's a link for seminars. So if a team or a state-based union or something, uh, any group, if they want to have me come in or one of my associates come in and do a presentation, um, they can also arrange that as well. Um, and then also the book is online. It's available for download. It's also available if you want the hard copy one that you got um, that gets mailed. Um, I'm going Going to be uh, in a couple weeks I will be in Boston um, it looks like right now we'll be at Boston College High School on June the 24th at 4 o'clock um, and all those details are under the events calendar so I'll have that up and then if any students uh, are going to the US Collegiate Development Camp hosted at Dartmouth I will be there um, every day of that camp providing academic advising. I do presentations each evening for each of the grade levels. So that's something else that I'm starting to do is working with camps where we have the students there for a certain amount of days. They're kind of a captive audience. So it's like, I can really force this info down their throat. You know, like you've got to do well in school. Like rugby's great, but we really, really have to make sure the foundation is set before, you know, we can do, we, can, we can't build the house, right? We can't talk right. about all this great rugby stuff until the foundation is set. So we talk a lot about that at, at these camps and at these seminars. So, and I'll be at the Rocky Mountain Challenge, which will be here in Colorado a um, couple weeks, oh, in a couple weeks, I think it's like next weekend. Um, so if there are any players, I'll be there. Um, they can see me, I'll be at the ref tent. So I'll be around then too. Awesome, awesome. And my last question overall, where do you see rugby <laughs> happening in five years, in the next uh, five years? In five years, um, ideally, I think we, we continue to see the growth of more varsity programs, you know, I think for good or for bad, I think we're still working out the kinks, but I think the more teams that are going to be professional, you know, and say, look, we're going to have, you know, full-time coaches, you know, full-time um, communications directors, you know, publicity and put out official like press releases. And the more we can make the sport kind of move away from this kind of like hobby you do on the side. Like for example, when I was in high school, like I mentioned, Rugby was a thing the football players did on the side, right? It wasn't their like main sport. It was something you like did because it was fun, right. but it wasn't a real sport really. Where now I think you have more kids that will say, look, I'm going to stop playing football. Rugby's my sport. Um, and same with college. I think if you're going to really grow the sport, it's got to become more professional. And that's dedicating, you know, budget, right? You got to have money. You got to have space. You got a people um, that are going to say, look, this is no longer a hobby. If you want to do this, yeah, treat it like a real sport. And that, you know, comes down to everything from the recruitment. It's like none of this kind of like, sure, just give me a phone call and I'm going to offer you a spot. It's like it's, there's an actual process to it, you know. Um, and I think I'm seeing more and more of that come through with recruitment questionnaires, you know, with asking for rugby resumes, um, which five, six years ago when I was doing these presentations, I don't think anyone had ever heard of a rugby resume. And now, most high school kids, hopefully, know they should be putting one of those together because it's just helpful. It helps them, it helps the coaches. Um, so in five years, I think more structure, more professionalism, maybe double the amount of varsity teams, quasi-varsity, whatever, but at least <laughs> more of those, as long as we're continuing to move in that direction. Um, and hopefully, you know, I think, you know, in five years, maybe we get a medal at the Olympics. That'd be great. 
That, that'd be something I would look forward to. Hopefully, look, either at the Olympics or uh, one of the World Cups. Yeah. Either or. <laughs> yeah. It all works together. No, yeah. uh, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. Uh, love the book, as always. I love the resume thing. There was so much. I, I should have even gone in more, but there's that's another time. We'll talk about yeah. it another time. Heck yes. Parents, players, administrators. Give me your ears because I hope you listen to this great one. And clearly, if you got to this point, you you absolutely did. Um, guys, uh, like I said, thank you to Karen uh, for just taking the time. Uh, guys, uh, don't forget, you know, we post Tuesdays and Thursdays. I know we're inconsistent sometimes, but believe me, a Tuesday or a Thursday, we're always going to have at least there's going to be something on. If not, just check out our uh, Facebook page. Um, Gift Time Rugby, uh, Twitter at Gift Time Rugby, Instagram at Gift Time Rugby, Tumblr, I think something about Gift Time Rugby Network, YouTube.com slash Gift Time Rugby Network. Just any of those, uh, you know, you can find our stuff, keep up with what's going on, um, find new content. Uh, you know, we're at least trying to always post at least a meme video, uh, put out a really great uh, video about Thailand. Um, just the other day go check that out um and also you know check out the other interviews that we have on here we got you know 12 other 13 other interviews that we have going on so uh it's it's just we have a lot of information have a lot more coming up um don't want to don't want to call too many of uh what we have coming up but uh, we have some really great interviews coming up over the course of the next few weeks and um, I hope you guys enjoyed. I uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, music is by Michael Armstead. Uh, you can find his music at michaelarmstead.bandcamp.com. This was from his album XXL. First song was Swerve. Second song, Black Superhero. And uh, the song that just ended was Tomorrow. Uh, also, guys, uh, please don't forget, go check out Karen's website. Um, and, uh, you know, we put up our stuff for our broadcast and everything like that. Gift Time Rugby Network. We like to just make sure that we're giving you guys great value, but really just want to have some fun. Like, we're still, it's rugby. We're still a sport. You know, we have fun. So uh, check out what we do with Gift Time Rugby. And uh, we have just more coming up over the course of the next uh, few months going into the season. Hope you guys have a great day. I hope you guys enjoy yourself. And uh, don't forget to live the rugger life. Cheers.